0: Welcome to the Two Boomer Women Podcast. I'm your host, Agnes Knowles. As we begin to wrap up a second year of amazing guests on this podcast, I love remembering the variety of people I've talked with and all the subjects we've discussed. And 95% of those guests were chosen with you, listener, in mind. You are as varied as my guests, so the sky is pretty much the limit. Today, however, this guest, this episode, is for me, Me, me. I have had a fascination with El Camino de Santiago for a lot of years. Also known as the Way of St. James, it's a pilgrimage with a series of routes, all of which end at the city of Santiago de Compostela in northern Spain. My guest today started her treks on the Caminos at age 70. She is my new hero, and I can't wait to hear about her motivation, her adventures, her spiritual journey, anything at all she's willing to share. Kathleen Donnelly Israel, welcome to the Two Boomer Women
1: podcast. Oh, thank you, Agnes. I'm so happy to be here.
0: You know, as much as I want to dive right in, um, mm-hmm. I'm going to start at the beginning. You mm-hmm. cared for your husband through his Parkinson's journey for 17 years. He passed mm-hmm. in 2018, and you walked your first Camino in 2019. Right. Can
1: you share that transition from caregiver to pilgrim, please? Like, how did that come about? yeah so when ron got sick i mean i had ideas of what we would do in our old age i because he was an athlete and and i i always tried to do things that he liked to do um and so i thought well we'll ride our bicycles across france you know we'll have a good time and then he got parkinson's disease and i thought well gee i guess we're not going to be doing that and so i i I guess I I had a little grief going, you know, losing my dream there. And in 2013, when I was in the throes of really caring for him, he was, you know, totally disabled, 2013. And Judy went, my friend Judy went on the Camino. And I, you know, I hadn't, I guess I heard of it, you know, that movie, The Way. Mm -hmm. Um, But I, I wasn't very impressed with it because it just seemed kind of silly. And um, but when Judy did it, I thought, wow, I just recognized she was doing something really special for herself. And I thought, you know what, when Ron's done with this disease, I'm going to I'm going to walk the Camino. And so that's why I did it. Hmm. And uh, when when Ron died in 2018. um, You know, I had so much to do with the, you know, the funeral and the grave and the you know the insurance and the bank and you know all this stuff i I had a bag and i had everything in it and so you know the death notices everybody seemed to want a death notice and and so um i carried that bag around uh with everything in it so i could just actually do whatever i needed to do when i needed to do it um but in by january i was done with all that stuff and I thought, well, if you're going to go on the Camino, you better get ready. Um, The reason why I knew I could do it is because me and my girlfriend, Severa, we walked, uh, you know, we walked down by the bay in San Diego uh, three times a week um, and we walked five miles and I didn't even break a sweat. I can walk five miles. And I just thought, well, I'll walk five miles before lunch and five miles after lunch and I'll be, it'll be good. I can do this. And so, so the, pre, so I was still doing that. And like the preparation was mainly like, what am I going to take with me? And um, where am I going to stay? Stuff like that. And um, my, my sister-in-law, she, I just couldn't believe how, I mean, she told me, okay, Kathleen, you're walking by the bay, but you need to walk mountains because and so she took me out and she found all the mountains in San Diego and we hiked up them. And um, that was just so kind of her to do that for me. And then uh, I went to like a, a, a lecture at the library and the lady, the, the lecture was uh, how to pack light for the Camino. And the room was full, but I was the only one that raised my hand when, they, when she said, how many of you are going to w- walk the Camino? guess everybody else was just interested in how can i pack lightly you know so anyway she gave me a lot of good tips told me where to stay on the first three nights and um and she like she would like hold she brought two shirts and she'd say okay here's a t-shirt now this is a t-shirt you could take with you and so when you take two t-shirts and one of them is very lightweight you know there's a difference between what you should take with you and what's just in your you know closet anyway that's what I did I just went online and I um I, I put in uh, sun protection shirt lightweight you know and then my size and then I I would just find all the clothes that I needed in that way
0: how, how did you choose which t- um, Camino to walk the first time?
1: Well, my friend Judy actually started in Lyon and walked to Santiago on the French way. And I just thought the French way was, I think it is, I mean, I think it's the most beautiful one, but um, I could be wrong. They, there's one up in France it's called Les Puy or something like that. And that's supposed to be really amazing, but really difficult but i it just seemed like the French way was the traditional way, and so I wanted to walk the French way.
0: okay now, now, you walked alone. was that a hard decision? Like did you ever feel unsafe?
1: Not me. um I have uh four guardian angels that I know personally, and I brought them with me and so i w- I wasn't afraid um I you know, I read a lot, and a lot of people go alone. And they, you know, there was no recommendation as to, you know, the danger or anything. And also there's a, um, a Facebook page called Camigas and you can, uh, you know, you can just sign up and then people are, all over the world belong to that. And so you can, if you're like lost or something, you can go on. And one time I, I was kind of like, I didn't know which way to go. It seemed like each way that I should go had a sign that said, don't go this way. And so I just took a bunch of pictures of where I was and put it on Facebook, on the Kamika's page. And right away, somebody came back. Oh, yeah. You know, I know where you are. And uh, just go in the middle, the straight, you know, go straight ahead. Don't turn right or left or anything. And I'm I'm like, oh, okay, So that, you know, somebody was watching, (laughs) you know. Yeah.
0: Do you ever find people to walk with on either the website or along the way?
1: Yeah, along the way. One time I I got into this albergue and the people I was, there were three people in the room and there were two bunk beds. So I was the new person and they had been there uh, too many days, I guess. Uh, You're not supposed to stay more than one day in the albergues, but they had somehow not left. And so they were leaving the next day and I was leaving the next day and we just struck out together in the morning and walked together. So that was really nice. And it's just like, I got, I got, um, so I've got into like this monastery and I went, you know, you walk in and then they stamp your pilgrim passport. So you have a, a, a stamp from each place you stay. Plus they, look at your regular passport and write you down for the government you know and he took me in this room and there were three people in there and he said um i i was like well which bed should i have There was stuff on all the beds and he said oh they've been here too long just take the stuff off of whichever bed you want and uh that's your bed you know and so i did and i you know i put my stuff down and i just fell asleep And when I got back, when I woke up, they were back. And I was like, kind of sheepish, like, oh, I hope I didn't take the wrong bunk or something, you know, but anyway, they were very nice. And I said, Well, do you guys want to do some laundry? Because that's what people do. If you, you know, you just have a few things with you. So you got to wash often. And um, so they said, Yeah, let's do laundry. So we all stuck our stuff in the washing machine. And and uh everybody put in uh, a euro and you know to and uh then i went and took a shower and i came out to the patio afterwards and they were sitting there eating lunch together and with two other people and i guess one of the ladies had made this salad and they didn't finish the salad so they said here come on and somebody gave them give me their plate that they had already eaten on. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> and then somebody had a clean fork and they said here. And so they gave me the rest of their salad and I had lunch with them and that was so sweet. And, and then I said, Oh, it's time to hang up the clothes maybe. And he goes, and the guy, um Luke said, Oh, I already hung them up. And uh, so I was so surprised and, he was, It was so funny because he kind of sheepishly said to me, yeah, I hung them up. They're upstairs. Uh, I have to admit, when I hung up your bra, I got a thrill. <laughs> 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 so he, he was just so funny. Everything he said was just darling. Uh, he was from Ireland.
0: I, I'm sure there gets to be quite a camaraderie. Yeah. On on the Camino is you're all sort of doing the same thing in the same direction.
1: Yeah. The like the guy in the bunker above mine was from England and the other guy was from Ireland. And then there was another lady from Germany. And uh, the lady that made the salad was from Australia. And there was even there was a lady from Canada, too. So we were, you know, from everywhere. (laughs) We were, you know, it was lovely.
0: Makes conversation interesting, I'm sure, because I'm sure everybody came with their own purpose, their own reasons. Right,
1: the reason why they came.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Did you have any other reasons as such, or just because that your your friend made it sound like something that you wanted to do?
1: I guess. Um, well, I am Catholic, and. uh the the pilgrimage is a catholic pilgrimage even though only like one third of the people are doing a spiritual journey so it's not like exclusive for catholics or anything but i really love my faith and so it just made me feel really good to be doing that also um you know our home all half the stuff in our house belonged to my husband And, um, whereas it was really easy for me to get rid of the stuff that had to do with his disease, you know, all the wheelchairs and all that stuff. I asked my brother-in-law if he would donate them for me. And then, um, but I still had all of Ron's stuff, his clothes, his camera equipment stuff. And, and it was really good for me to get away from all that stuff. Um, because I was trying to get rid of stuff and it, Whereas I felt like I needed to get rid of it, it hurt me to get rid of it, too. You know, there was some grief in letting go, too. So so it was good for me to get away in that way. Also, um, when Ron and I got married, I mean, I was 20. I went straight from my mother's house to his house. And even though we were both young, he was 22, I was 20. It wasn't like I was going to another adult's house or something, but I wasn't alone, you know. And so it was really good for me to go on the pilgrimage to uh, just know that I can take care of myself. I can find myself food. I can, um, I can keep myself safe. So it was that.
0: Did did you get to know Kathleen as a solo person as opposed to
1: part of a couple? Yeah, I think so. Um, Just, it was, it was a big honoring myself situation. Like I was honoring myself. I was treating myself, you know, like I raised five kids and I was pretty much a self-sacrificing person. My mother taught me to be self-sacrificing, you know. It's, it's just like um, that's how it was in our house. So I was the oldest girl of six kids and uh, it's definitely... Uh, self-sacrifice is expected of me in my life. And um, so this was totally for me. It was.
0: (laughs) That's an excellent message because so many of my guests really emphasize that in midlife, you know, women have had a history of being somebody other than just themselves, you know, whether they've been a wife or a mother or a caregiver or whatever. Um, And, you know, they always put themselves on the back burner. But at this stage of the game, the children are grown. Uh, in your case, your spouse had had passed. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and to sort of bring yourself to the front burner and say, "Okay, it's it's my time."
1: Yeah, it was a total treat for me, totally, and it was so beautiful. Like the scenery was just beautiful, and the monasteries and the art. Oh my gosh, I'm I'm an artist. You know, I have a degree in art, and so of course I studied um, the art and plus my religion, you know, I've been looking at Catholic art all my life from, you know, day one. And uh, so I, it was, it was thrilling. I remember I I went into this one monastery, and they had a bunch of statues. And there was this statue of baby Jesus. He didn't have any shoes on, he was standing up. (laughs) And he had this big grin on his face and he had his hand up like he was going to bless people but it, it was just like oh my god and his his clothes were totally gold I mean it was I mean it was I couldn't believe it I was um it was beautiful
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's a real treat to just watch your face as you're as you're remembering all this because uh yeah mm-hmm. it really comes through that it was a special special trip now you did two Caminos though didn't you
1: yeah, I did uh I did the Portuguese one last year. Uh so when I did the French way, it was before COVID. It was right before COVID. And then last year COVID was still happening, but I wanted to go anyway. And so um and I wanted to go from Lisbon. I mean, I'm I'm you know, to go over to Europe for a person in Southern California, it's quite a ways and the ticket is quite pricey and I didn't want to just go over there for a few weeks I wanted to do it you know I wanted to be there for more than a month so I think I was on the I was on the French way for 66 days um, but I had some illnesses and stuff so you know well along the way but um, the Portuguese way I went all the way to Santiago and then I kept going to Finisterre. And I, and it, the whole thing was like, um, 45 days. Wow. So, but it was almost, it was almost exactly the same amount of miles, you know, kilometers, Distance, whatever. Yeah.
0: yeah. Did one feel more, I don't know, spiritual, would that be the right word?
1: Yeah. Well, the French way was really great, um, doing the, the Portuguese way during COVID was difficult because a lot of the albergues were closed. And I had to like, um, you know, maybe the next albergue would be 35 miles away or 35. And I can't walk that far in one day. And so I would have to walk and then take a bus back to the previous albergue and sleep there and then go in the morning to where I, you know, got, got the bus and then walk, to the next albergue so um it wasn't that much fun because there was a lot of backtracking and uh, whereas the portuguese what i mean the french way was just like like um there was no impediment it was just um progress each day was progress you know yeah, yeah. so anyway <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, it's, it's interesting because it's those little things too that you go like oh never thought of that
1: <laughs> yeah yeah so. it um, I think maybe um, maybe next year more albergues will be open. Now but- I
0: noticed online that there are some like self guided tours, so I guess you're probably on your own time. But there's places to stay. Are they the same? Now these are called albergues. Is
1: it? Yeah, yeah, the albergues. Um-
0: is it the same type of place, or would that be sort of a little bit higher end hotel?
1: the Uh, the self-guided tours? Hotels are higher end. Okay. um, And they're more expensive. Uh, You can, I mean, you can go, um, that's why I ended up taking the bus back because I didn't want to pay $100 a night for a hotel. You know, I could have, um, but I I didn't want to do that. So the Albreques are like, you know, five to 12 euros. um, So significantly
0: different. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah, uh, And, they have like a kitchen and you can buy food and cook in the kitchen or um, like every town is different. Like um, if, if there's, um, you go into a town and if there are restaurants, then they'll say, okay, we'll go to this restaurant and get a pilgrim meal. And maybe you can get dinner for 12 euros, you know, as a pilgrim meal. Uh, if there's a grocery store, a lot of times they have a kitchen with pots and pans and dishes and everything, and you can just um, take your food and cook it and eat it. Uh, or um, and then if there isn't a restaurant or a, a store in town, then they provide the food and you just have to pay them for you know dinner. So every every town's different and. Um, Like the albergues are run by, like some of them are run by churches. Some are run by, there's a lot of them that are called municipal albergue and they're put on by the town. And then there's independent, um, like somebody's using their house and and it's an albergue and it's very cheap too. And you can, um, like I went to this one house and it like in some rooms there were six bunk beds or three, three bunk beds, six bunks, you know, and some of them were for uh, two bunk beds, four bunks. And so if you stay in the four bunk bedroom, then it's more expensive than the six bunk bedroom. And so, it, you know, it was, um, you know, whatever, however, they figure out they're going to do it. That's how they do it. So and, and I tell you, it it was just really lovely for me to just go in See what the situation is and just um, make do with everything that was available. You know, I didn't have any problem with wishing things were different at all because everything was just interesting, you know.
0: Well, it sounds like it's relatively, I won't won't say it's relatively easy. It sounds like it's not too difficult to be self-sufficient. Yeah. But after... 50 years of marriage, almost, um, <laughs> you know, you had always been half of a of a partnership. Couple, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, you know, it sounds like, you know, and if you've had the kids and everything else, you never really were just all on your own self sufficient. So proving something else to yourself there, too, I'm sure was very rewarding.
1: Yeah, it was great. And I must tell you that I was not totally healed from my grief, or anything when I was done with the Camino, I still had, um, I mean, I still had um, sadness and stuff, um, but it was part of the, I want to say amelioration of my grief. Uh, It was part of it, you know, going on the Camino. Part
0: Part of a process too, I'm sure.
1: Yeah. And the other thing is I, while Ron was ill, I, studied online with a bunch of enlightened thought leaders. And for years and years, I had a lot of trauma from my childhood. I, my father was an alcoholic, rageaholic child molester. And it was, you know, I had a difficult childhood. Um, and so I, I had, you know, the, the pain from that, um, that stuck with me. And just being home with Ron, I had to be there, and just going online and listening to all these thought leaders, um, I got some healing done, and I learned some stuff that I could share with people. So I felt really good about being able to share those things with the people on the Camino. We'd sit down and talk, and oh, why did you come on the Camino, you know? And and then they would say, and I would say, and they would say, and then then I, I, I maybe share the Ho'oponopono with them, uh, which was one of my big breakthroughs was the Ho'oponopono. Um, and, um, and anyway, it was great to meet people, find out their story, share my healing with them. It was great for me.
0: Now, you've told us about the Irish fellow hanging up your bra. Yeah. <laughs> Were there any other people that really stuck with you in memory, like in your
1: memories that you encountered along the way? Yeah, there was a, um, well, I have to tell you, the first night, um, I met a bunch of people the first night. And it wasn't the first night, it was the second night, because um, the first night was in San Juan pied de port where the Camino starts. And then we were, we were not able to go over the Pyrenees because there was snow on the Pyrenees. It was against the law to go there. So we had to walk around. So we all ended up at, um, oh, I forget, (laughs) I forget the name of the place. Uh, Val Carlos. Yeah, it was Val Carlos. And um, so we were all there, kind of sad we didn't get to go over the Pyrenees, but you know, this is what you have to do. And I met this guy from L.A., actually, just right up the, you know, up the freeway from my, from San Diego, and uh, he had lost uh, several, three of his friends had died in rapid succession, and he was not able to do his life anymore, and somebody suggested he go on the Camino, And, um, and so it was just really great i was able to share my loss actually my husband died in august and my mother died in december oh, of the, of 2018 so i you know i had a couple of losses there big ones and uh so um i felt like we had something really in common and it just so happened that he turned up every once in a while we'd be in the same albergue you know we're walking independently but we'd end up at the same place and that was lovely um so and um the the so the out that first albergue that we stayed at we made a whatsapp for the people in the group and so we still talk to each other we can contact each other and like we'll share oh this is what my christmas tree looks like this year type of thing you know with each other and uh so it's just really lovely there's a lady from um from Holland a guy from Germany um there's a, a um, man and a woman who are brother and sister in Canada and um yeah the guy in LA and there was a girl a lady in LA too that she was there too so it's just it's just lovely you know we have that um We don't have to never see each other again, you know.
0: The advantages of technology, that's for sure. Now, is is English the universal language we believe it to be then? Like, or do you speak other languages?
1: You know, I, you know, I live in San Diego right next to Mexico. So I took Spanish in high school, two years in high school, one year in college. And you'd think I would speak it better. But um, anyway, I can get by. I can, you know, ask. People, you know, quiero una cama para esta noche, you know, type of thing. Can I have a, a bed tonight? Uh, so I can contact. But you know what is really funny is I speak Spanish pretty good if nobody speaks English. But if people speak English, my brain gets really lazy and I just can't even do it. So... Um, there was one guy I met and uh, I, I teach breathing. That's another thing I teach breathing. And he uh, was an athlete. He actually looked a lot like my husband and um, he was an athlete and he was telling me he was having difficulty with shortness of breath on the Camino. So I told him how to breathe in his belly. And he said, well, I, the time I run, you know, I, I, I hold my belly tight so I can run to be strong, you know. And I said, well, if you want to run, you need to breathe in your belly, you know, uh, if you don't want to be short of breath. So he was so glad that I taught him how to breathe properly that he wanted to help me speak Spanish. And there I was, couldn't wait to talk to somebody. I was just like loving talking to people. And he wanted me to speak in Spanish, and I was just like, "Ah, oh, the words, <laughs> the words." You know, I, I was, anyway. It was pretty funny. And he was just trying to do me a good turn, like I had done him. <laughs> and it, and he was making me crazy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that was funny. Um, now you talked about not being able to go over the Pyrenees. Tell us yeah. about the land on either of the Caminos. Like, was it pretty, pretty spectacular? Or
1: yeah, and you can think of. Uh, yeah, Portugal is more like Southern California. It's kind of dry. It is, you know, there is some beauty in the, um, you know, I like green. I don't know. Maybe people, some people like the desert. I am a person who likes to look at green stuff. And uh, so the northern Spain is more like the Pacific Northwest. So it's like, or even Canada it's it's more rainy and everything's green and beautiful so i really liked that whereas um going from lisbon it was more like here in san diego it was more dry and uh, so but it was beautiful i mean i um i got into some really beautiful situations walking out in the hills and stuff
0: oh that's great How about adventures? I mean, did anything turn up unexpectedly that turned into an adventure?
1: Well, yes, I have to tell you, I I was walking out in the middle of nowhere uh, on the French Way, and I came up to this beautiful um, ruins of a convent. I mean, it was just out in the middle of nowhere. And uh, when I walked up to it, it had beautiful spires and archways and uh i mean some of the walls had fallen down but you could tell it was a beautiful convent and i just walked in under the one of the arches and i heard this irish fairy music i mean with harps and flutes and stuff you know and i was just like whoa this is really and you know Whoa. And uh and then when I walked in, I looked over to the right and there was this um guy, this Filipino guy with a white t shirt and a kilt, a green and green and red plaid kilt. And he was making egg salad sandwiches and putting them in little baggies so he could sell them. And uh it was just like, Where am I? You know, it was just like totally <laughs> Unglued and uh, so I, you know, my thing was I'm always looking for a bathroom, and so I said, Do you have a bathroom? And he pointed over to this trailer, and so I went over there and used the bathroom. And it was just like you go into the bathroom, and you can actually see people walking outside because it's not really very <laughs> secure, but anyway, I was just glad to have a toilet to sit on, I guess, and um. And then uh, I came out, and I, and I went over, and I got a cup of coffee. He was making coffee, too. And then I left, but it was just like, are you kidding me? This is so amazing. And uh, I loved it. It was uh, it was a wonderful memory.
0: It, it sounds like you throw all expectations out the window, and it's just you take every moment for what it brings.
1: Yeah, yeah. and you never know what's around the next corner, It was um, beautiful. Um, I was walking in this area. You could see far away under the trees, but the trees were all tall and they had yellow leaves. Uh, And it was like you were in a room with a yellow ceiling type of thing. The the leaves were very small and yellow and it was just just soft, you know. And um, I turned this corner and there right in front of me was this giant living room outside uh, they had really amazing furniture like they had like this fuchsia couch with a black and white um, back on it and like purple furniture and coffee tables and tables to sit at and it was just like a living room out in the middle of you know the nature and there was a trailer there and some guy was had his coleman stove out there and he was making hamburgers And I, so I walked up and I said, well, can I get a hamburger? And so he went in and got me a hamburger out of his refrigerator and started cooking it. I think he gave me one of the ones he was already cooking. And um, so I I had this hamburger and I, I was really kind of sick at the time. uh, And I felt like I better not sit down and eat this. I needed to keep going so I could get to the next place. Um, So I just took the hamburger and ate it while I was walking. And as I was walking away from there, I saw this lady sitting out um, that I hadn't noticed before. And she was uh, laying in a hammock, you know, just kind of lazing there. And she waved at me with this big smile on her face. It was just like they were out there for the, um, for the pilgrims. That's why they were there. I mean, it was right on the, you know, right on the pilgrim road. Nothing else out there. They were there for us.
0: I'm loving your stories. Uh, So you wrote a book. Like, are all these stories in your book?
1: Yeah, they are. Yeah, I, um, yeah, I, um, you know, when I uh, decided to write the book, I was, um, I wanted to write a book about my teachings, like I studied while Ron was sick, I studied for years, and I had some teachings to teach from synthesizing all that information that I got. And so that's why I wanted to write the book. And then um, I was reluctant to be teaching. Maybe uh, I was, you know, um, I just didn't feel like an authority or something, you know? And so I thought, well, I told all those things to people on the Camino. So I'll write my book about walking the Camino and telling people all those things, all my teachings. So um, that's why I wrote the book. And so what, when I did the outline for the book, I wrote my teachings down. And then after that, I wrote around who I told them to. And then that's how the stories came forward.
0: Oh, that's great. And what a nice, almost like a journal, perhaps for you.
1: Yes, I, well, you know, I had uh, shared a lot with my friends on Facebook. So I had those things already written down. And then my kids, my daughter made me a WhatsApp with all my kids, my five kids, uh, on it. And, um, so I told them the gory details, the the difficulties, the illnesses, all that stuff I told my kids. So between the Facebook and the WhatsApp, and then I had all my pictures that I could go through and see what happened when, and the pictures kind of jogged my memory and made me think of a story, you know? And, um, so yeah. It's the adventures of Kathleen on the Camino, for sure.
0: <laughs> just, I'm going to, you said, you used one word that, that, as we've been talking, it's been like, oh my goodness, I can't believe that happened, and oh, that's crazy, and oh, that's very cool. I, what were some of the difficulties? Oh, I mean, you well, were sick, I understand that. That would Yeah,
1: be and also, just going to the bathroom, I mean, I'm an American, it's against the law to expose yourself in America you know and i was in europe and they they are used to going in the bushes i mean those people i don't know but um i was not and so it was difficult for me and so um like in the beginning well uh in the beginning i would like okay so okay there's some bushes over there and i walk behind the bushes and i i would see all this toilet paper around and i'd be like how terrible people are just throwing their toilet paper here, you know, and at first, I thought, well, I'll pick it up, and then I thought, no, that's not a good idea <laughs> and so um but I had a plastic bag, so I used my little roll of toilet paper, but I put mine in my plastic I didn't leave any toilet paper around but but I hated it because you had to like bury your butt to pee in the woods, you know and and I don't like that, and so, um I met this woman. And uh, she told me how to do it. So she said, well, um, like on the Camino, there are all these lean-tos. Like it's like um, a wall with a um, awning over it and and a bench. And you can go in there and sit down. And I'm like, why would you have something like this without a bathroom? I just thought it was so silly, stupid, really. And then uh, she told me, Okay, Kathleen. What you do is you go behind the lean tube, lean your back against the wall. I mean, you just take down your underwear and get them out of the way, really, and uh, lean against the wall and let it go, you know. And and then you use your toilet paper and, and you know pull them up. But um, I I it was so much easier that way to lean against the wall and do it than to just you know do the you know hunker down pose and uh so that was really great when i learned that because um like there there are places over there where there is a wall and you could actually walk behind it and gracefully you know get rid of your stuff <laughs> 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 and uh that was much better after i figured that out so
0: that's interesting so, because as you were talking about going to the bathroom i'm thinking i have grumpy knees Like I would, I would have great difficulty, but if there's a wall to lean on, then I can probably handle
1: it. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I have to tell you, um, I used to have, uh, arthritis in my knees and I do not have arthritis in my knees anymore because, um, while my husband was sick, uh, this lady came to me and she wanted to tell me about negative ion clothing and bedding. And uh, I asked her, "Well, will it help my husband with his Parkinson's disease?" And she said, "Yes." And so, even though I didn't have a lot of money, I just put it on my credit card, and I got him all this stuff. But he refused to wear it. He would. He wouldn't. He wouldn't wear it. And so I thought, "Well, I'll just wear it myself." And uh, I started wearing it. You have to wear a lot if you have a serious illness. And and I just thought, well, I don't feel very good. My fingers are swollen. You know, my knees hurt. And so I started wearing it um, on a Tuesday. By Sunday, I was actually able to kneel in church. And I hadn't done that in three years. Wow. And then three weeks later, no more pain. And I don't have arthritis anymore. So, so. um Just have to tell you that.
0: (laughs) Um, Little aside, thank you.
1: (laughs) Yes, um, but they're expensive. They're way expensive. But you know what? You don't have to hurt. Yeah. If you have money, it's great. If you don't have money, well, I mean, I didn't have money. I just put it on my card. But, you know, it's hard to do stuff for ourselves. Like I did it for my husband. But I don't think I would have bought it for myself. Even though, I mean, I did not know it made arthritis go away. I didn't know that. And it was just a big surprise for me. Um, but, um, anyway. And I'm sure
0: a little bit of a fuf could you spend all that money.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, you know, yeah. It, anyway. <laughs>
0: okay, tell us the name of your book. Uh,
1: the name of my book is Wisdom on the Camino, A Spiritual Journey Sharing Forgiveness and Possibilities to Inspire the Rest of Your Life. And it's, um, I self-published on Amazon. And uh, anyway, it's by Kathleen Donnelly Israel. So you just go on Amazon and you look at uh, Wisdom on the Camino and there it is, my book. Um, and uh, so you can yep. get it like a paper paperback or else you can get the digital copy. And like, if you get the digital copy, Please read it because I get paid per page. If people buy a digital copy, they uh, they pay me per page that they people read.
0: Oh, is that right? Well, that's interesting.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of like a royalty.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's great. Um, Now, we had a little bit of a chat before we hit the record button. Um, Your website is mostly about the book. And then there's some other podcasts you've guested on. So let's start with uh, what's your website. It's just your name. Is that correct?
1: Yeah. It's wisdom on the Okay. That's the, and then um, in the book, there's uh, a gift for my readers. It's right across from the contents page and it says, read this first. And uh, it's, you can, you have to double opt in. I'm really sorry, but that's just the way it is nowadays. And uh, so you can look, I put the pictures in chapters um, on the website so that you can uh, you just go there and um, like, if you're reading chapter one, you can click on chapter one and look at the pictures in chapter one while you're reading it.
0: Yeah, and that's exactly where I was going with that line of questioning was, um, I had mentioned that I could not access the pictures and I was so excited oh. to access them. But there's a link in your book.
1: Yeah. Um, you which allows book. us
0: to, that's great. Oh, good to know.
1: Yeah, a lot of people don't see it. I, it, I can't believe they, they made it. The wording is very small in the book. And I, if I do a, you know, another, another printing, then I'll I'll have them put it larger. It says read this first, but it's like 12-point type. (laughs) So you can't really, you know, it's not screaming at you or anything.
0: Yeah, yeah. Kathleen, our audience is mostly boomer women. Mm -hmm. Besides doing a pilgrimage, um, what do you say to them? What do you want them to consider as they journey through this phase of life?
1: You know, the okay, so you can create in your life, you can create your own health in your life. So you don't have to be stuck. Um, like with the negative ion clothes, I created a, a situation where my legs actually work now, you know what I mean? And I can walk. Um, I, I have a problem with my foot. I haven't figured that one out yet. Um, but I walked anyway, my, um, you know, hiking boots, you can walk with hiking boots on. It's a low Uh, low skill you know activity one foot in front of the other and um, what I think about doing the Camino at this time of my life is I'm not getting any younger this is the youngest I will ever be so I need to do stuff right now right now and uh, like last week I was in Paris I was um, I was facilitating breathing at the Bre- Greg Brayden seminar in Paris. That was such a great thing. <clears throat> you can just, um, opportunities will come to you, grab them, do it. You know, you um, it's like um, you don't have to wait. Uh, you can actually do it. The other thing I want to say is um, in our stage of life, a lot of times people will do some worrying like worry about how things could go wrong. But um, what worry is, it's making up a um, a dangerous or sad story and then believing in it. It's just a story. There's endless possibilities all the time. And um, it's really beneficial to make up a good story. Like I made up a good story. Yeah, I can go on the Camino. This is going to be great taking my guardian angels with me, just kind of like create an image in your mind of how great things could turn out. When we've had some trauma in our life, it makes us kind of um, intent on thinking about how things could go wrong. But that's not helpful at all. And it's not even true. So You might as well make up a good story, you know, and live into it. If things go wrong, you can clean up, you know, afterwards. But if you make up a good story about how things can turn out okay, then uh, the chances of things turning out okay is much greater than if you make up a story about how things are going to go wrong. Because what we think about, we bring about. So I I mean, that's one thing I learned from studying online, uh, you know, while Ron was sick is po- um, possibility thinking. And uh, I, it was difficult because I, I did have that trauma in my life. And I was really intent on protecting myself and not doing things because it might go wrong. That's where I was. And I, and I told the sad story a lot in my life um and really people didn't want to be around me because i was like so full of my sad story um but but now that i learned the importance of telling a good story figuring out how things could go right and then going with it uh now um things go right more for me number 1 number 2 people aren't trying to get away from me because i have this sad story that i keep you know saying um And yeah, it's just, I really recommend making up a good story. And um, years ago, when I, I was so full of my story of my sadness and how my dad was such a jerk and this, that and the other thing. And somebody told me, you know what, you ought to make up a different story. And I said, well, that wouldn't be true, you know. But the fact is that the sad story, my, the sad story of my life, the way my life unfolded for me is just evidence of what happens when you have negative thinking. Negative thinking caused my negative uh, life. My low vibration brought terrible things into me in my my whole life. I mean, it wasn't just my childhood. And uh, so... And I remember my husband, he would like, when I would tell my sad story, he would just be like, he would like take his hands and go, you know, push them down. Like, you know, he wanted me to stop it. And it really hurt my feelings because I thought my, my story was important, but you know what? It just brought more sadness to me and he was right. I should have stopped doing it, but I just didn't know. I didn't know that that was important. But it is, it is important to lose the sad story. Um, once you're 70 years old, you've been telling your sad story for long enough. You know what I mean? <laughs> you need to like, just notice something good and then build on it. And um, it takes a while. It takes a while to do it. It You know, it's, uh, it's a discipline, I would say. Um, and it's worth it, too, because... Our world, our world, the way it is, there's a lot of low vibrational stuff going on. And um, some people would say, oh, you're just a Pollyanna. But you know what? Um, Awful stuff isn't okay. You know, we can keep a good thought and send out our good vibrations. And uh, the collective consciousness will have our good vibration in it it is important. It's, it's not like something that you don't have to do. It's like something that is going to be really beneficial to the world and to our personal life too. So
0: that, it, that is so much gold because, you know, especially at this time of life, we talk about self-care And, you know, when we talk about self-care, I think so often we talk about, oh, like a spa day or, you know, getting your hair done or making sure your clothes look nice, that sort of thing. But this is probably even more important self-care to recognize our sad story or our bad story, whatever it is, and figure out a way to create the Happy story or the the good story, the positive story, and then as you say, live into it. Yeah,
1: and it's free. <laughs> <laughs> it oh, that's, a,
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's the perfect way to wrap. I love that. <laughs> oh that's great. Okay, listeners, we talked about Kathleen's links earlier, and they will be in the show notes. Before we close today, I want to bring you up to speed on this podcast. It's called Two Boomer Women because it started out as a series of conversations between two specific boomer women, and I was one of them. Boomer 2 has since moved on to other adventures, but I love this podcast. The guests are all so amazing. I mean, today's proof, proof positive. Um, they all have their own stories, and the listeners, a diverse group that I rarely speak to me, but I know you're out there. Um, Life continues as is for December, but in January, the podcast will be rebranded as the Boomer Woman podcast, and we'll move under my Boom with a Bang umbrella. Boomwithabang.com is undergoing major reconstruction, so please be patient as that all happens. If you have comments on today's show, please talk to us. If you're listening at twoboomerwomen.com, scroll to the bottom of the page and leave comments there. We can be found at Spotify, Google, Apple, iHeart, all those places that people listen to podcasts. Feel free to leave comments there and please leave stars and reviews because they help us grow. Before you go, hit the subscribe or follow button and you'll be notified about future interviews with more of my great guests. And share this episode with someone who needs inspiration as they travel their 60s, 70s, 80s or perhaps you'll show it, share it with someone who'd make a great adventure companion for you as you take inspiration. Kathleen Connolly Israel, thank you so much for being my guest on Two Boomer Women today and just sharing some great stories, but your insights at the end were just yeah, gold, that's all I can say. Thank you so
1: much. Thank you Agnes. I really enjoyed being with you. Thank
0: you. Have a great rest of week.
1: I know you look